Welcome to the Literary License Podcast Retrospective as we explore anthologies. Anthologies have been around since the 1800s with classics by Poe, Hawthorne, Stevenson, and Lovecraft to name a few. Motion pictures have been exploring anthologies since the 1930s until today, with even television using the format. Come with us as we celebrate the anthology films through the ages. Welcome to Late Your Lessons Podcast, and we're dealing with our new episode of Anthologies. And today we're covering Fantasia and Fantasia 2000. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Vicky Ray with us. Hello, Vicky. Hi, guys. We got Davide Cavallo. Hello, Davide. Hi, everyone. And I'm your host, Keith Shago. And before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with you, Davide. What are you up to? Um, not not too much for the moment, um, really. Um, I mean, rain seasons have started in the UK. Yesterday, we've had a massive amount of rain. It does not like rain and cloudy weather. Yeah, I mean, our, back, our backyard flooded yesterday because we had yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was <laughs> flooded. That bad? Yeah. It's just it's raining really every single day this week, like just raining. Yeah. Rain. And today got like a little bit of sun and then it just downpoured when we were outside. And it just shits all over you after teasing you. Yeah, I know how that is. Yeah. I came back all wet and soaked, so I changed my clothes <laughs> and I walked in the door. <laughs> yeah, rain season has really started and yeah, it's really depressing, I'm going to be honest. Thinking that in Italy they still have 30 degrees and I'm like, oh, lucky them. But it is what it is. It's 30 degrees Celsius, it's just amazing considering it's the end of September. But it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I haven't really done much. I mean, I started randomly watching, I don't know if you know, a TV show called Steven Universe. It's a cartoon. It's very, very LGBT friendly, but it's not on your face. It's kind of like in the background. It's beautifully done. Plus you have these anthropomorphized um, characters who are basically crystal gems and they fight monsters and stuff. And when it's about magical, powerful Girls and monsters and magic. What's it called? Steven Universe. That sounds fun. It's amazing. It's kind of like the LGBT version of Adventure Time, sort of. I don't know how to explain it, but it's. Been, I've watched it so many times in my life. I love it. But yeah, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> and what about yourself, Vix? What have you been up to? Not a whole lot. It's been kind of weather's changing here. Uh, doing a couple things here and there, assignment-wise, trying to make the side hustle for Christmas is coming. Utilize my old secretarial skills when I can. No, I'm not doing that. Just hanging out with the kids. We're getting ready to come over your your way to go to Switzerland the 8th. Hopefully, maybe we'll get a layover. But we'll say hello and trash London or something. You never know. <laughs> um, what did I watch? I've been watching. Uh, I watched Night of the Zombies the other night ago. You ever watched that with Daryl Hannah's in it? And uh, no. what's his face? Oh my god! What? Oh my god! What is his name? He was in the Halloween. He played the boy that grew up and he died. I'm like, why do I have that? What is his name? He grew up and died. Uh, okay. Um, remember in Halloween, the young boy, the two kids, Lindsay and oh yeah. And he grows up in the in the new Halloweens that just torture us oh, all. Oh, he's Anthony Michael Hall from. Um, yes, yeah, he was in it too. There was quite a bit, there was quite a few stars in there. I was kind of surprised. 
but it was one of the, it was just, it was kind of a fun zombie movie. I mean, it was, you know, your typical zombie fun, but Daryl Hannah was in it. It was just kind of one of those movies. I put it on. I couldn't stop watching it. I got vested really quick. But uh, what else? I was watching Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories. I hadn't watched that in like 20, oh. 25, 30 years. And I forgot how cool some of those that that was. Like where the guy, um, he likes he like likes to draw and he's stuck. He's a he's a uh, gunner under like the plane, the belly of the plane during World War Two. And he gets locked in there and they can't get him out. But they have to land. But if they land. They're going to kill this guy. And it's just really weird. He just kicked Cox. He just comes up with these big yellow animated wheels that show up on his landing gear on this plane. I can't explain it, but anybody that knows amazing stories probably knows which story I'm talking about. Um, and I started watching John Wayne. I don't know why. I've been watching all the John Wayne and the Clint Eastwood spaghetti westerns lately. Just can't get enough of those, you know, the stinking badges and all that shit. But uh, I was watching The Last Unicorn, too. I don't know how that came on, but I started. I hadn't watched that in, like, 40, like, 1982, I think, is the last time I probably saw that. Yeah, the group America did the soundtrack, didn't they? Huh? The group America did the soundtrack. Yes, yeah, and I liked the soundtrack, and I forgot how much I enjoyed the cartoon. And there's just like that where she turns into a female to avoid the Red Bull, and he accidentally turns her into a human being, and she's like, I can feel this body dying all around me. And it's just like, I can so relate every time she says that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, just not a whole lot. We've been kind of like chilling out and, and, you know, waiting for Godzilla. Zero. Like I told y'all, it's going to be fun. Old Godzilla, but with a really cool technical spin. We'll see. I'm sure everybody will hate it, but not like it. But I don't give a shit. <laughs> Other than that. Getting ready for fall and everything else that comes with it. What about y'all? Um, watched Evil Dead Rise, which is on Netflix here. So right. Watched that. It was interesting. I thought some of it was scary, but I wasn't. I was kind of expecting a little more Evil Dead fun. I guess is maybe the word. Yeah, I mean, I liked the Evil Dead before this, which is quite. I mean, it was gory, but I, I didn't right. really. I didn't like the characters that much. I didn't. I, can I, I didn't get vested in the characters. I wanted all of them to die, and I'm pretty sure you did too. Yeah, I kind of. <laughs> I, I, I would. I thought it'd be more daring if they had the pregnant girl get killed, but obviously. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad they were able to kill the kids off. That would made it more interesting, but. You know, like the neighbors next door. I don't know. And then, you know, spoiler alert, but when they all become one body, I don't understand what that was about. And, you know, I don't know. It's like three bitches into one sort of thing. Oh, sorry. One of them was transgender. So I guess it's two bitches and a he, she. I'm not quite sure. Two and a half bitches? Two and a half bitches. <laughs> so, but I mean, it, I mean, it was interesting. It's just that, you know, when he had all the dead people in the hallway and none of them were coming back because then before they all came back, didn't they? They always kept right kill any of them unless you dismembered them. They all kept coming back. Right. And, and then she got. She was really a vile, evil thing, though. You got to admit on her performance. Oh, the mother she was, was good. really scary. She fucking scared the shit. I mean, she scared me. I thought she was the only. Saving Grace to the whole movie. Because yeah. she did well. I loved her when she was on Vikings. 
they sneak her in these movies every slash. She was just brilliant in Vikings. I loved her in that. Well, she's got a really interesting look about her, sort of thing. So she does. She's unusual, isn't she? I mean, it wasn't horrible. Way. It just, you know, there's some there's some gruesome moments, like when yeah they they used the cheese grater to grate someone's leg. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> I forgot about that. So. Yeah, you gotta yeah you gotta go where the violence is. You gotta go for the good ones, the good kills. There's always a good kill, no matter how bad the movie is. Somebody gets it right at least once. And then we watch. Uh, now we're I started rewatching. It's always Sunny in Philadelphia because I love that. I loved that show. I haven't seen that in like a decade. Does there's it, a new, there's new? new season. There's new season now. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. So like six, six, seven, eight years old now. Fifteen. Oh wow, man! I'm just, I didn't. Even I mean, we're, we're rewatching it because um, Ferris has never seen it, so we're rewatching it from the beginning. So run season four, good. and it's still in the 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 square screen because they haven't gone the widescreen yet. <laughs> how old it is. Oh no shit. And they got the flip phone. They're using their flip phones with no cameras. Oh yeah, on. you know it's like early, what is it, twenties? Yeah. Two thousands, I want to say. Two thousands, yeah. So really watching phone, that. Yeah. That's quite enjoyable. And then um is there anything else we're watching? No, not really. Um I'm watching Sister Wives, that's back. <laughs> Oh no! Just Love nothing it. like rotting that brilliant brain of yours every chance you get. Uh, anywhere where I see like a man married to four women and three of them are left him because he's such an asshole is something to watch. <laughs> like God, he's such an I asshole. don't know he's why. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's good for the man, I guess. I wouldn't well, do it. The women have left him. He's only with one now. There's one woman. The it's kind of funny because the show started like sixteen, fifteen, sixteen years ago. So it opens with him marrying this the new one, the young one, and you know, and I think, and I guess he fa he always favored her. You could tell he always favored her, sort of thing. But now it's like it's all come to the fore situation. I mean, one of them's named Robin, and everyone calls her Sobbin Robin because all she does is cry. Sobbin <laughs> Robin. You know what they got on that's coming on? I'm actually going to watch it just for grins. I want to see how. People like our age and older behave on the show, but they're going to have the golden bachelor. It's the bachelor, but it's people over 60 and 65. I just want to see, I, I, they're not, they're showing him the new bachelor. They're not showing what the women are going to look like. I want to see what kind of shit show this is going to turn into because I just never, you know, when you're a more seasoned woman, maybe you're not. The little harpy that the little twenty-four-year-old twits do, and um, you know. Well, they've done. Uh, Island. They got a show over here called Love Island, which had all my like daughter movies. watches that. Really, but like they've now done a fifty-something. Oh, see, island. now that'd be interesting. They're on, for they're me. on the island. They're on a farm, but same. But they're really pretty. The, I haven't they're seen really well that. Up. That'd be cool. I gotta look for that. We're gonna have to get have to look for that. We get that. Yeah, I'll find out what the actual name is because it's not called Love Island, but it's it's basically the same thing. So, well, they got this one, this one bachelor's thing, the farmer meet the farm. I mean, you get all these high powered New York hotsy totsies. They're not gonna be happy married to a bloody farmer. It's just like this show is dead in the water. <laughs> it's like what? I can tell you what. I can't see anyone getting up at five o'clock in the morning every milking night. cows. No, cows, that shit's hard. <laughs> Trust me, I know. No days <laughs> off. You don't get a day off either. No, you have to milk those cows. Three hundred sixty-five days out of the year. Every day. Every day. Every day. 
But other than that, not a lot's going on. I've been off this week, so I've been taking it easy. I've been playing Starfield on Xbox. Played, finished this Tomb Raiders, which I played them before, but I've played oh, the last Tomb Raiders games are amazing. Amazing. New, but they remastered the first three Tomb Raiders. That looks fantastic. So that's coming out Better now. Better graphics. February. So I'm looking, yeah. Same gameplay, they just updated the graphics, so it looks really good. So, so I'm no new storyline to it, though. But pretty much, no, they got a new, they got a new Tomb Raider coming out eventually with a new storyline. So, but so does, does, hmm? I've got a question. Does that mean that if you put the, the code to get Lara Croft naked, you don't see her spark? You see her properly? No, I'm joking. Because <laughs> you remember back in the old games, they used to. Yeah. To be able to the and, thing is, you never really saw her naked anyway. Because what if you put in the code, it'd be like her, and then, and then she'd look at you and about you know, to take off her towel, didn't she? And then she'd take a gun and fire at the screen, and the screen would go black. <laughs> I I've never done much in the, in the old games, but they used to tell me, and then it was a famous thing. The two main things that I remember from the game is the code to get Lovecraft naked, and the the guy of the house. Uh, being locked in the freezer room. Winston. <laughs> Winston the butler. You used to lock him in the freezer. I used to that yeah, with Sims. Yeah. I used to play the Sims and I used to kill my Sims. You know, like put them in the pool and then take the ladders out, watch them. Go the ladder. Or lock or put or put them in the put them in the room and remove the doors and watch them starve to death. <laughs> now, the best thing was like you don't give them skills for cooking. Then you put them into cooking and you fill the room with wood and then you see everything burning. <laughs> watch them burn to death. <laughs> you guys, I've, I've never, I've suck at video games. I so suck. Nobody wants me on their team. <laughs> no one ever breaks me. But, but the Sims is a game. The Sims is actually a game that you do on your own. It's quite easy. All you have to do is just uh, create a character or a family, whatever, and then just make them living. Yeah, they have like to go to work. They have to pay their bills. They have to pay yeah. their houses. Like. Ugh. Try to date to try to get money to pay the bills and buy a house and improve. Pretty much like real life for me. So, pretty much, yeah. For me, it was all the, the the excitement was about building a house and getting the money and then just building an amazing house. Then I would get the car the characters to start leaving. And I'm like, oh, I'm bored. Let's buy a let's let's build a new house because I love that part. But that's there it. Is playing it and he made a model of me and made a model of him and I did all the work and he did fuck all. So yeah, no, 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 no. Long, 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 long ago, I saw, I saw it, and then he was painting, training, running, studying. That's what he was doing. But not Love working. Me. But not working. Not working. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Well, on that note, that brings us to Fantasia, <laughs> which is a 1940 American animated musical anthology film produced and released by Walt Disney Productions with story direction by Joe Grant and Dick Humor and production supervision by Walt Disney and Ben Sharpstein. The third Disney animated feature film, it consists of eight animated segments set to pieces of classical music conducted by Leopold Tarkowski, seven of which are performed by the Philadelphia Orchestra. Music critic and composer Deems Taylor acts as the film's master of ceremonies, who introduces each segment in live action. Disney settled on film's conception in 1938 as Bork near completion on The Sorcerer's Apprentice, originally an elaborate silly symphony cartoon designed as a comeback role for Mickey Mouse, who had, de who had declined in popularity. 
As production costs surpassed what the short could earn, Disney decided to include in a full-length film of multiple segments set to classical pieces with Shafinsky and Taylor as collaborators. The soundtrack was recorded using multiple audio channels and reproduced with Fantasia sound. It was a pioneering sound system developed by Disney and RCA that made Fantasia the first commercial film shown in, st in stereo and a precursor to surround sound. So Disney basically invented stereophonic sound for films, records, and music as we hear it today. Fantasia was first released as a theatrical roadshow that was held in 13 cities across the U.S. between 1940 and 1941. They first began at the Broadway Theater in New York City on November 13, 1940. While acclaimed by critics, it failed to make a profit owing to World War II's cutting off distribution to the European market. The film's high production costs and the expense of building Fantasound equipment and leasing theaters for the roadside presentations. Since 1942, the film has been reissued multiple times by RKO Radio Pictures and Buena Vista Distribution, with its original footage and audio being deleted, modified, or restored in each version. When adjusted for inflation, Fantasia is the 23rd highest-grossing film of all time in the U.S. The Fantasia franchise has grown to include video games, Disneyland attractions, and live concert series. A sequel, Fantasia 2000, co-produced by Walt's nephew Roy E. Disney, was released in 1999. Fantasia has grown in reputation over the years and is now widely acclaimed as one of the greatest animated films of all time. In 1998, the American Film Institution rated it as the 58th greatest American film in their 100 years of 100 movies and the 5th greatest animated film in their top 10 list. In 1990, Fantasia was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. What we're going to do is cut to the trailer of Fantasia from 1940 and be right back. Well, that's what started. I was uh, doing this uh, uh, Sources Apprentice with Mickey Mouse, and I happened to have dinner one night with Stokowski. Stokowski said, oh, I would love to conduct that for you, you know? Well, that led to not only doing this one little short subject, but it got us involved where I did all of Fantasia, and before I knew it, I ended up spending 400 and some odd thousand dollars getting music with Stokowski. <laughs> well, we were just going a little bit beyond what they were getting in the art school where they work with the static figure. Now, we were dealing in, in motion, movement, the flow of movement, the flow of things, you know, action, reaction, all of that. That about did it, you know. <laughs> that. What you're going to see are the designs and pictures and stories, music inspired in the minds and imaginations of a group of artists. conscious of the orchestra. Then the music begins to 
to suggest other things to your imagination. to you, Mickey. Gee, thanks. <laughs> well, so long. I'll be seeing you. Goodbye. Hello, welcome back to Literature License Podcast, and we're discussing Fantasia from 1940. So, Davide, what are your thoughts of Fantasia? Okay, so first of all, Fantasia I watched when I was much, much, much younger. Uh, obviously it was a little bit different from the like classical movie that I used to watch because obviously there wasn't a proper story. They were like short stories sort of, although not all of them were stories. And I used to like it, but I obviously I couldn't understand why there wasn't proper stories to understand it. Because, you know, you expect to watch a movie with the main characters and the story and a movie over like 90 minutes or whatever. But then this was a little bit different. So yeah, I go back with the memories. Um, then the amazing part, I think, from a cultural uh, side of this is the fact that it's kind of like Disney um, introducing and pushing classical music into the audiences. So this is kind of like educational at the same time, introducing classical music and, and exposing audiences to classical music, which is something that it's beautiful. Obviously, these days, oh, unless you go to a certain point. academies and stuff, you don't really get exposed to that. I was quite like it because I did three years in middle school when I was younger and I studied music, history of music. I played classical guitar, played a flute. Um, there was much, much younger. So I got exposed to music. But I can understand that many, many people maybe don't. So I, from a pop art sort of side of um, of culture, it's it's good to do that. Like It's kind of like educating people and stuff like this. It's, it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. Plus, when it's education, I'm always there. I like leisure, but I even... I like more when there's also, also sort of like educational side of leisure and entertainment, if that makes sense. Uh, so the movie is, is in general is beautiful. I've got my favorite parts. My three favorite parts is um, so the part of the, obviously the famous part of the sorcerer's apprentice when you have like Mickey Mouse trying to do magic, yeah. although he's incapable. That's that's historical. That but he it's, just it's, let all that water just all those buckets just got all kinds of crazy. It's beautiful, yes, and and it's amazing because it kind of like. Um, if, you, if you watch anything Disney related, obviously the picture of Disney, the symbol is Mickey Mouse head. And then you always look, even those TV shows of, of Disney, you always see Mickey Mouse being the main character as the leader and then showing people, organizing things. For the first time you see Mickey Mouse being under somebody, you know, so it's it's interesting. It's like as an. I like, like the an wizard. Movie. He was kind of omnipotent looking, wasn't he? Yes, yes. So <laughs> it, makes me, it makes me feel like, and then this is obviously my theories, which might not necessarily be true. But I'm thinking, what if there's like a secret hidden message there? It's kind of like if Mickey Mouse is the representation of Disney, 
why if the representative of what business is trying to do, trying to push itself in the world and becoming powerful and strong. Back in the days, obviously, Disney was much smaller. So it was trying, it was like Mickey Mouse trying to learn how to do magic. So it was Disney trying to learn how to make money in the world. I don't know. I see these symbols and 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 things and in in uh, in this representation. Could be, could be not, doesn't matter, but this is the way I see it. So that's definitely my favorite. And then they said my second favorite is the, I think the pastoral symphony, the whole mythological oh, yeah. representation. I loved it. When it's when it's about mythology, I'm just in love. I love, I love mythology it. too. But most of the centaur women have nipples in mythology. There's no nipples. Yes. Obviously, remember the, the audience. Oh, we obviously don't know why they didn't children. put nipples on there too. I think that was after the Hayes Act. And I don't think that Disney was into that back then. So I mean, oh, I no, thought of that was kind of funny. I think also like a like a sort of con sexual consciousness wasn't as evolved as it is today. Maybe back in the days, so it's kind of like nipples. it's just that they were very clever with the hair. Yes, they were very clever. <laughs> but yeah. if you watch a couple of the scenes, they are showing the full frontal, the breast, but there is no fear, though. Yeah, it's There's not no there. There, well, it's just America, to kind of keep it hasn't really changed as far as nipples. I mean, look at the whole Janet Jackson farce. It would have ruined yeah, the whole good. thing. If you <laughs> would have thought that nipples would just ruin the whole transaction. I'm telling you. <laughs> but I mean, to be honest, they were representing a story, a mythological story. So uh, I thought that was beautifully done. I love yeah, the I, mean, I, like I love the Pegasus. I love the winged horses. Or is that the second one? No, wait, this is the first no, one. Yes, it's, 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 it's all part of the pastoral symphony. So yeah, yeah oh my yeah, god. I love yeah. the horses. I like the little black horsey with the wings. It just couldn't get his shit straight. But then he finally got it going and he started flying. Yeah. <laughs> it was so, I mean, it was just it was so fun. And I, I love the end of that one. I just, I love the Ave Maria. I always have. I don't know if it's my Catholic upbringing, yeah, but I've the, always loved that ball bouncing to Ave Maria is brilliant. It's the whole, the devils and everything like that. And it's yeah. Like and comes. then the morning comes and then it's all wonderful again. The evil is subsided. Oh, yes. In fact, that's my third favorite part. The, I think it's called Night on the Bald Mountain. And then... Funny enough, that that creature is, I think it's it's a deity from Slavic mythology that's represented mm -hmm. there. I think it was called uh, the Chernobog. Funny enough, the Chernobog there is also the main antagonist in the, in the game called Kingdom yep. Hearts. I love Kingdom Hearts yeah. as a game. It's, it's a beautifully done game. Probably one of, I, I can, for my experience, I mean, I don't know all the games, but for, for Disney video games, I think... Kingdom Hearts is definitely my favorite Disney games. It's yeah. it's amazing. The, the 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 lore of Disney is put there, and it's just it's majestic. It's beautiful. I love it. I love it. And then in fact, they use lots of symbolism and lots of representation for Fantasia. They put it in that game. I, I love it. It's it's a work of art. But yeah, it definitely, definitely is a work of art. I mean, it's just. I mean, I think that it wasn't their biggest money maker back then. But the thing, I think what happened from what I was reading, a lot of people weren't really, they, they were used to having the, the whole story, like Snow White, mm. like Beauty. It was different. But, I mean, if you look at it, though, you can wrap this up into a whole story because you start out kind of with the, just the, the, the band. Yeah. And then it just keeps evolving, the whole thing. So all the stories could technically connect. If you looked at it in that capacity, that it was one big story, like Genesis. You have darkness and everything goes to, you know, the story moves on, kind of, or at least that's what I got from it. Well, yeah, but you also have the dinosaurs, the rise of spring, which is right. Really done, if you consider like 1940s and the they actually dinosaurs. got that pretty good for 1940 because I was a student of paleontology and I was 
I never noticed that years ago, but they actually kind of hit on that. Well, right to the iguanodons looking like regular iguanodons because they never used to do that in the older stuff. They made them all old and lumpy and they weren't fast. And you remember the dinosaurs with this, the hands when we were kids? Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just stuff like that. They were kind of ahead of their time when they made this. I was rather impressed with it. Myself. I was. Yeah. You know? the only it's kind of sad as well. I mean, you know, the dinosaurs become extinct and how that all happens. They're like no food. And it's like, and they're getting stuck in the tar. Yeah. And, you know. The, the and only they thing showed how they just, the bones just become the fossils in the badlands. And, you know, <laughs> it's really all about life and death and rebirth. Yeah. That's really it's all oh, yeah. about a process, the whole thing. And I thought they captured that 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 spirit of that that circle of life quite adequately in this film. The, the only thing I really didn't like is the fact that obviously the the carnivorous dinosaur, the the Tyrannosaurus Rex, I think it was, or something similar, was represented as an evil guy. And even in the description they presented was like, oh, you know, these meat eaters were like gangsters, the evil. And I was like, well, that's just nature. You can't really. But I mean, that was back in the days. You can't. Really you gotta eat. You gotta eat. You know. Yeah, exactly. I don't think they were trying to spare us completely from the dangers of just living because that's every day. Um, I, you have to also admit. I mean, if you look at 1940s and you take your children to this, this is probably the first graphic images they're ever going to see. Probably. Oh yeah, that's true. Oh, that's true. That's very true. So, they did afterwards. They did a lot of. You know, they did Dinosaur, which is another Disney movie. I love that movie. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> I love That's that. a beautiful movie. But there was another um, another series of movies, but nothing to do with Disney, with Dinosaur. I think it was something called The Valley or something. I can't remember. Valley of the... Oh, God. I, I have kids. Why can't... Valley... Not the Valley of the Dinosaurs. Uh, I, I can't remember. Two. Okay. Does, are the dinosaurs called Littlefoot, you know? And Little yes. Little yes. That one. Okay. That's, that's, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. And then oh they my God, I've got like all of those movies somewhere in the back room. All of them movies. Yeah. Land, Land Before Time. time. Land Before Time. Land Before Time. Yes. 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 And I, I think that back in the day, this is probably one of the biggest, most. I always um, cry when Littlefoot's mother is killed by the dinosaur, the other dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> but I imagine um the reason probably they said about gangsters. I have to I think it probably has to do with the violence side of it for the kid for the kiddies in the audience. Oh yeah, maybe only because it's I mean, you gotta remember that everything was in all everything was in black and white at this time. Yeah. Seeing color films, it wasn't in colors. So so you didn't get a lot of color stuff and Fantasia was presented in color and it's Disney. So because of Snow this is a third feature after Snow White. I mean, this right. is the second feature after third feature after Snow White. Well, so. Also, the little kids have a hard time sitting for this because we might appreciate the classical music with the companion piece of the, the cartoon and imagery with it, but a lot of little kids couldn't sit through this from what I read. Well, they had a um, what uh, I mean, it's also presented and it's still there, but there's the intermission segment, isn't it? There's a sick right. intermission where you go out and do whatever and come back. Let's all yeah. go to the lobby. <laughs> but i think i mean even the nutcracker suite is presented wonderfully because it's like you see the change of seasons from spring to winter yeah oh yeah 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 
That was very well done. And in a very mythological way, but I loved it. I loved the, it. I love mythology the, the too. sprites and stuff. And, and I even like the night and day segments with the um, ostriches and the hippos and the elephants. And the, and you know, I loved forget, it. Least. Let's not forget the very racist Chinese mushrooms that I was warned about before I started watching this movie here. I had a big warning about before I watched this movie, you know, there was going to be some whatever. I'm, I'm texting Keith. I go, I don't see where the racial tension is. It's like, oh, where's the racist stuff? Come the only thing I could think of would be the Chinese, the Chinese mushrooms. I, I didn't think I couldn't figure out what was racist about it at all. I don't so. know. I mean, I, I mean, I never met anyone who was offended by it, so I don't know. So I, I just just shocked because we get warnings. I don't know about y'all, but we get warnings over here in Disney. Yeah, yeah we do. We do the same on the Disney. And it's just Disney like Disney I was Disney. like, God, what did I miss all those years ago? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I would have never put two and two together on the mushrooms. I had to ask Keith, like, what are they talking about? Yeah, I, I think that's the only thing I can think of because, and or the Russian part, I guess, with the Russian flowers, maybe I don't know. Mm -hmm. that, that's, the, that's the only thing that I know that I thought it was just a beautiful cartoon geared, with culturally geared to anything they're the only two segments I can think they're culturally geared to any culture really because the rest of it's like you know sprites and you know god um, Greek Greek mythology and dinosaurs and I'm um, unless maybe someone was offended by maybe the dinosaur maybe people are you know, think of themselves as dinosaurs and are offended. Who knows? I don't know. I'm making that. Up. I just didn't understand. I mean, I try to look for those things. It's like, what am I supposed to be aware of that I should be ashamed of? And I just couldn't figure it out. And the closest thing to any different ethnic representation was probably the mushrooms. But I thought it was adorable. I I don't think in terms of that when I'm watching something like, oh, they're Chinese. No, I don't think that way. So I, I hate it when they do that. I think another thing I liked about this is that it, I don't, normally when you see animation, it's kind of like ink and colors. Mm -hmm. And I think this one, I think they use pastels and different very formats and watercolors. Very, and, very, very. Can you use watercolor doing that kind of stuff? I think, I think they did a whole mixture of a totally different, a lot of different art segments. I know some of the pastels, mm -hmm. like the beginning of it's pastel-y. Some of the, even the Sorcerer's Apprentice is not right. full, full animation. If you notice, it's got some past, you know, pastel shading and everything behind it, and all the other stuff. So, um, even the Ave Maria when it's going through the glass, um, going, that was going beautiful. The but, that reminded oh me. So, it was an aspiring end. It really was. It was so. Okay. So pretty. I mean, it was be. I love the Ave Maria. I mean, if I I hear it, mm -hmm. I could be at a freaking Black Sabbath concert and I'll turn and listen. If I hear an Ave Maria, come on, it's just part of my Roman Catholic Italian upbringing. No, I'm I'm pretty much the same. Although I'm not a Christian person at all, I refuse to be Christian. But inside, I grew up with like Christian music. When right. I want to do meditation, sometimes I used to uh, Gregorian chants. Oh, I love Gregorian And they just and so they calm they calm me down in a way that you cannot imagine. It they, it's so majestic. Oh, you so gotta when try I, when the I, singing bowls. Get singing bowls. Those are even better. Look up. Oh, the, the one with the um. Oh that yeah. Stuff yeah. Is, 
Awesome. Okay, we're done. Uh, but but what the, the final of Maria, I think it was the, the cherry on top of the cake because it was a beautiful ending. Somehow reminds me of, of the walk of the elves in the, old, the Lord of the Rings. Or the yeah, yeah. But obviously, obviously it's the opposite way. Probably the elves of the, the Lord of the Rings are seen oh, God, as sort he's of the Lord like of the Rings, holy man. creatures, you know. How have you not become uh, my best friend by now, Davide? <laughs> <laughs> But I, I love that part, and and I even love the contrast that they did with the summoning all the spirits of the dead from from the deity of the mountain. It was beautiful. It's like the god of the night summoning all of them, and suddenly the the bells start, you know, start sing, uh, singing. I don't know how to say it. And and then suddenly he goes back to sleep, and everybody goes hiding, and the morning comes up as a sort of like way of hope, of like regeneration right. again and life again. You know, that after a storm, there's always. The sun. I don't know. That's the way I saw it. It was beautifully. The ending could have been Well, even the hippopotamus and stuff. Well, that's what I thought the warning was for. I was about the hippos. Like, I was like, well, I love the hippo. How do you not like the hippo? They, they were, they were very cute. They were and very the cute. The alligator and the hippo, the interaction with the alligator and the <laughs> It, it was cute, but compared 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 to the other the, the 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 demon from the Bald Mountain and the representation, it's kind of like you got a holy section and then more. Where have I seen that hippo before? So, what was, what other hippos and stuff are also they they have, they make an appearance in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's right. I was I was going nuts yes. trying to figure out where I've seen them before. And, and so and so doesn't the some the brooms the the brooms do as well. The brooms know. do. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Now that I think, I it love that. Place, movie. It all we takes place in 1940, doesn't it? Who framed Roger Rabbit? We should do that one day. That would have been perfect to slip in here somewhere. We are actually. We're doing it this year. Oh, okay. It's part of our book to screen. Wow, I, they made a book out of this. Yeah, it started out as a book. It started out as a book. Oh, it did start out as a book. No kidding. I oh, did not know that. Know. Okay. Um, but um, I mean, I watched the making of. Fantasia and the Ave Maria segment is all done on glass. Is it really? So, they, so it's all these panes of glass, and as their camera's moving forward, they're lifting up the pane of glass. As oh, wow. That's what's going through the art. The art. That's how they were able to do that. And they came up with a lot of different things. I mean, what I find incredible is that Disney created stereophonic sound. Up until now, everything was mono. Right. And they created stereophonic sound for this movie, really? which is what we use today for everything, which has also created surround sound for oh, us. Shit. We never had that. This is the first film, this is the first film to do that. And that's the reason why I like in the beginning, if you notice, because now we all have stereo on our computers and headphones and everything, everything's stereo now. But if you notice, you can find, you know, you can see where you can hear the music coming out of the right and then the left and out of the center. Yeah. It's the show oh, that's true. That's true. I didn't know that. I'm interesting. Yeah, Disney Disney created stereo stereo sound. Can you imagine what our music would be like if we never had stereo sound? Yeah, um, I know. Well, I mean, and then they go into the. I mean, just how they they um, implemented the musical scores, like the Takata with the, I think they call it what they call it. Uh, uh, the fugue in D minor was supposed to be, you know, like a massive thing that's never been done before. And I, that I, it was just beautiful. Oh, the, the whole abstract thing you made yeah. when it was yeah. abstract. Thing. Oh, that was beautiful. That was very, very creative, to be honest. I can imagine doing meditation with that. To be honest. Well, I love classical music, though. It, it is really pretty. You know, I mean, there's a lot of it, like Vivaldi and all that. I mean, 
it's, Everyone it's very good if you put it in the background. Up. If you're starting and you put it in the background, it's very relaxing. Generally, then you have the nutcracker, but I don't think we saw the uh, the uh, nutcracker and the nutcracker part though. Uh, well, they didn't do Nutcracker. They did the four, the four seasons, didn't they? Yeah. Which is quite interesting because the Nutcracker Suite. They did the music, but yeah, they did the music. But I'm saying that they did the but the this the vis the visor the visionary part of it was the four seasons, wasn't it? it was spring, winter, right? Spring, summer, fall, winter, which is quite interesting because you think they would have done that with Vivaldi's The Four Seasons. Mm. Maybe yeah. <laughs> but that's what I quite like about Fantasia because they give you something that. You don't expect to see. Mm. You know, like, you got, like, got like, the, uh, springs. I would never, and never, I never thought dinosaurs and all the other stuff. I never thought night of the ball, night of bald mountain would be what we saw. Or oh yeah, the right of spring was kind of one of my favorites. I just love dinosaurs though. But the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Remember when they did King Arthur, the Sorcerer's Stone? Did they use? One of these scenes in that I'm trying to remember because the boy is trying to cheat and he uses the magic to use get all the the, the work to go so Merlin. I think that's even that isn't that Disney too as well. Or yeah. am I wrong? Yeah, sort of. Thinking the Sorcerer's Stone maybe. Sword in the Stone is Disney. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where do I get the Sorcerer's Stone from? So no, I think it's the Sorcerer's Apprentice. That's how it's called. What's, okay, it's I'm getting all my stuff next. No, no, no. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. Sword in the Stone is King Arthur. Huh? Sword in the Stone is King Arthur. Okay, but isn't the Sorcerer's Apprentice? Don't they have a similar problem with the this with the, the boy getting the, yes. all the brooms so. and all of the cleaning stuff going a whack on him behind Merlin's back or whoever's back it was? I, I get them all. Sometimes they all run in as mm. the centuries go by. <laughs> I also thought it was quite interesting that they gave us background on classical music, so you, you we learned something at the same time. Like, oh, I know they have the this nice tells talking. a story. This is what this does. This is what that does. And, and then the conductors talking. That was that was a cool spin. So I quite like that. So let's get to rating Fantasia. So on a scale of one to five, how many stars do you give this the other day? <laughs> Ten, obviously. This is a piece of heart and the, the most amazing thing, and I'll always say that. I love leisure for leisure, but when there's leisure, when there is leisure and there's education, that's even better. Obviously, it's not pushed, it's just put there, it's done with art, and then you can enjoy classical music and you get animation. And then the beautiful thing that they've done with Fantasia is also there's no an agenda of pushing religious stuff or scientific stuff. Everything is represented. You have mythology, you have religious idea, you have lore, you have science, you have mixed everything together represented there. And it's like, there we go, art. And it was just beautiful. So for me, it's it's obviously the maximum star is five. I would give it like a 10, 10 brooms. There we go. 10 brooms. <laughs> what about yourself, Vicky? Oh, I'll give it a ton of brooms too. I mean, there's no downside to this at all. There's for the whole family. There's, there's nothing. There's just, there's, it's beautiful music and just fantastic uh, animation. And it's, it's a, it's, it is a work of art. And it's just one of those things I think, Everybody should see it. I don't care what your thoughts are about Disney, but this this was definitely something you need to see. Your kids need to see it. It's just, I mean, I guess it's probably hard for kids with the music part 
gets slow for him, but it, it's beautiful. There's just no doubt. Five stars, easy. I'm going to give it a solid five stars. I mean, it is a work of art. I think long after we pass from this earth, this has always mm -hmm. been remaining a piece of art. I own it on Blu-ray. I've had before when it first was released on video. I bought it on video, and it's still every time I watch it, it still wows me to this day. So I'll give it a solid five. Well, our next feature is Fantasia 2000, which is a 1999 American animated music anthology film produced by Walt Disney Feature Animation and released by Walt Disney Pictures, produced by Roy E. Disney and Donald E. W. Ernest. It is the 38th Disney animated feature film and the sequel to Disney's 1940 animated feature film, Fantasia. Like its predecessor, Fantasia 2000 consisted of animated segments set to pieces of classical music. Subbies including Steve Martin, Ezra Pergman, Quincy Jones, Bette Miller, James Earl Jones, Penn and Tiller, James Levine, and Angela Lansbury introduced a segment in live action scenes directed by Don Hahn. After numerous and successful attempts to develop a Fantasia sequel, the Walt Disney Com Company revived the idea shortly after Michael Eisner became chief executive officer in 1984. Development paused until the commercial success of the 1991 home video release of Fantasia convinced Eisner that there was enough public interest and funds for a sequel to which he assigned Disney as an executive producer. The music for six of the film's eight segments is performed by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, conducted by James Levine. The film in includes The Sorcerer's Apprentice from the 1940 original. Each new segment was produced by combining traditional animation with computer-generated imagery. Fantasia 2000 premiered on December 17, 1999 at Carnegie Hall in New York City as part of a concert tour that also included London, Paris, Tokyo, and Pasadena, California. The film was then released in 75 IMAX theaters worldwide from January 1st to April 30th, 2000, making it the first animated feature-length film to be released in this format. In its general release in regular theaters, followed on June 16, 2000, the film received mostly positive reviews from critics who praised several of its sequences while also deeming its overall quality uneven in comparison to its predecessor. Budgeted at about 80 to 85 million, the film has grossed 90.9 million pounds dollars, sorry, worldwide. So what we're gonna do is cut to the trailer at Fantasia 2000 and be right back. We all know it's impossible to see music, yet many composers have tried to take musical sounds and give them a pictorial meaning. Walt's original idea was that Fantasia would be a continuing work in progress and Fantasia 2000 is the realization of that dream. Now, the first ever full-length animated motion picture, exclusively in IMAX theaters. Walt Disney Pictures is proud to present Fantasia 2000, the IMAX experience. Presenting seven all-new journeys into the imagination along with a classic favorite in a motion picture unlike any other.
on January 1st. Exclusively in IMAX theaters around the world, Walt Disney Pictures proudly presents Fantasia 2000. Hello, welcome back to the Literature License Podcast. We're discussing Fantasia 2000. So, Vix, what are your thoughts of Fantasia 2000? Well, I, I loved it. I, I think I like the older one a little bit better, but I still love this one. Um, I, I like the, uh, I guess it was the, uh, oh God, which one was the symphony number five? C minor with Allegro and all. I mean, they're sitting there talking about all this in my research. I just like the movie. I don't know what's, what a C minor and an Allegro means. <laughs> I just know I like the music. I believe it was, was it the Pines of, what was it? Yeah, Pines of Rome. Where the frolicking humpback whales, I oh, guess. Yeah. I like whales. Mm. So I thought that I thought that was really cool. The Rhapsody in Blue was really cool. Sorcerer's Apprentice, they let us revisit a little bit, the older one again. The Pomp and Circumstance, I found really interesting because I had no idea about the Pomp and Circumstance being something completely different from something you would see at a college graduation or a high school graduation. It meant something else to begin with. And when it's like, oh, because I've never really paid attention to the whole musical score. So that kind of was kind of cool, figuring that out or learning that. Because um, it had the ball, the marches, one, two, three, and four. And then they had Donald Duck as Noah. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was really fun, watching Donald Duck be Noah. And he had the ark and all of the things that would probably go wrong for Noah, you know, if you know the story. But yeah, it was really thoroughly enjoyable. The ending was very cinematically beautiful and inspiring, I have to say. I thought that was a beautiful twist. I thought I was going to hate it, but I didn't. And I really loved the end. I thought it was beautiful. And again, rebirth in, in life, you know? Yeah. It was, I thought it was amazing. The only thing I didn't like was the celebrities. I didn't like that either. I couldn't, I was telling. Maybe it was Ferris before we got on. Penn and Teller just rubbed me the wrong way. I do love Angela Lansbury, however. Oh, I my it. God. But you don't like I, Angela Lansbury? No, he loves her. I, I was going to say, how could yeah, you not I'm love gonna, her? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, sorry, I'm going to take one minute to talk about these amazing Go ahead, <laughs> I am platonically in love with Angela Lansbury. <laughs> I grew up with watching Murder, She Wrote. Everybody, I obviously, we have, we have a silly believe in Italy like a silly running joke that everybody says that every, everywhere she goes somebody dies I know it's a funny joke but she's an amazing I actor. heard something about that yeah she's, <laughs> yeah she's a serial killer yeah no like come on don't touch on serial killer just smart I'll get away with it she blames someone else for it <laughs> no but she she's incredible I watched many movies and sometimes incredible. I still haven't watched everything she's done but I think Bad, Bad Knobs and Brimsticks was an amazing movie yeah. obviously she does Mrs. Brick in the Beauty and the Beast I adore her and obviously she died uh, right. I think 2022 at some point but I managed to see her live 10 years ago and was, she was in the theatre in London doing Blythe Spirit and that was one of my dreams I have three women that I need to see live in my life one is Judy Dench one is Maggie Smith one is Angela Lansbury Angela Lansbury done check but Maggie Smith's going to be the old next one because I love Maggie Smith but doing Angela a, Lansbury a play in the fall in London I need to go and see her at some point. Maybe. You know what you need to watch? I don't know if you've seen any of Angela Lansbury's older movies, but she mm -hmm. was in Samson and Delilah. 
and she's opposite Victor Mature in that movie. You want to see a very 17-year-old Angela Lansbury? You should watch it. It's an old movie. I like old Shoot, movies. Yeah. You oh, right. also, oh, yeah. I love looking for Victor to, Mature. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'll and, him down. And, and she is... She's in a movie that everyone overuses that term today. She's in a movie called Gaslight. Oh, oh that is a good one. Gaslight is awesome. She's also yeah. in the Harvey Girls as well with Judy Garland. Yeah. Um, and if you want to play, want to see her play a complete bitch, uh, the Manchurian Candidate, where she got an Oscar nomination for that. Right. She did get nominated, did she not? What a. Did she didn't did win though? Didn't... If she win. didn't, I will nominate her when, when I watch the movie because it's I with um, but it's with um, who's it? Lawrence Harvey, Janet Lee, Angela Lansbury, and Frank Sinatra. That was a good one. Oh my god, I turned some of these old movies on this weekend. Who cares about the right candidate? It's just like that. all inspiring, it's just like, but um, but yeah, she's she always looked kind of. Did you ever notice she always stays like the same age? No oh, she like always is old. I mean, the thing is, she's two years younger than Elvis Presley, and she played Elvis Presley's mother in Blue Hawaii. That's right. I forgot. Uh -huh. I forgot about that. I still thought she was a beautiful woman. I oh, loved she, her. She, was, I loved she her. always looked mature. She always looked very mature for her age. So she always did. Yeah. But she she has a special beauty. I'm sorry, but you know everybody's got a, his or her own icon of what's beautiful and majestic. For me, she's a titan, and I, I mean I don't know much about her, but then it's just love, platonic love at first sight. Okay. She's one of the good ones, and everybody makes fun of me, but I just love her. Have you? Do, oh, she, who cares? McPhee as well. Next, she's in well, well, next time you're over, I'll show you Angela Lansbury on stage doing um, Sweeney Todd. I have it on DVD. Ooh, That's right. Todd. She did do Sweeney Todd. She was Todd, the original Sweeney Todd, yeah. And she was the original Mame, which we'll be covering Mame later on. But she was the original. The oh, That's right. That's she was the original right. Mame. So we got lots more Angela Lansbury coming there, buddy. And she's saying, um, Angela Lansbury pajama party. And, she, <laughs> and she's saying, um, Booze and Buddy would be Arthur from Golden Girls. That's what they That's did. That's right. There. She really was quite the act. She was she was fun to watch. I really enjoyed all of her mm -hmm. stuff. I have to say. I oh, and she was also um in a little night music as well. So she no, she she, she, did a lot. she did a lot of she, stuff. She, She's had a very she, she had a very fulfilling career in life. Mm -hmm. so, I haven't come across anything about her in any of my dirty Hollywood books that you and Joe suggested. I keep waiting for a couple people to show up. Victor Mature shows up. Yeah, <laughs> for other reasons. Yeah, Plus, have you ever watched? Have you ever watched the cartoon called Anastasia? Who yeah, yeah. Disney movie. I think she was doing the voice of the grandmother. If I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, and Bernadette Peters does that too. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, mama teapot. I mean, but in Fantasia 2000, I kind of wish they didn't bring in the celebrities. It was yeah, great. Great to see Lansbury and it was great to see Bette Midler, but in a way they kind of broke it up a little bit. Kind of like, oh. Did you think maybe they should have stuck with the musical conductors like they did? With the I other think ones? so because I just I thought because because you kind of stuck with him at the beginning and the, right. the first one, and so when he's carrying you through from one segment to the other, it just kind of kind of flowed. Yeah, here it's kind of like oh they dragged these they people chopped out. it up a little bit. Well, they 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 felt like they dragged these people out for a day's filming. Probably not a day's filming, an hour's filming, but it's kind of like yeah. 
I saw Fantasia 2000 on its opening at the IMAX. And when I saw that the IMAX, they had a full orchestra there playing the like, orchestrations live. Did they really? I, I haven't been to the IMAX in eons. Oh my God. And it, it was awe inspiring. What I did, what I liked about Fantasia 2000, I, I love that. I love how the beginning of it is old animation mixed with computer animation. So you, you start off the old way and then it slowly becomes, so it kind of like when it's, when it, that way in the movie flows through and by the time we get to the end of it, which is all computer animation, it kind of has that kind of a flow where you, you know, it's that one's taking over the other. And I thought that was well done. And I love the Al Hirschfield, George Gershwin segment, you know, um, the uh, the Rhapsody in Blue. Yes, yeah. I love the animation in that because growing up, I mean, if you had TV Guide and stuff like this, Al Hirschfield used to always do the covers of t TV Guide with those cartoon cover of celebrities and stuff, right? And that's Al Hirschfield, and it's so great to see his. It, it looked like it was his work. I mean, I know it's an odd to his work, but it looked like his work. You know, the the, the way the faces look and the bodies are drawn, and I like that a lot. It's a little bit more of a a little more laughter in this one. Like again, going back to Noah, where he's trying to plug a hole up, and all the big fatter animals. He's trying not to get crushed because the boat's going back and forth. So I mean, you did have a little more comedy in there too, which was a nice touch. But do you consider this a sequel or a kind of a reboot? Because there seemed to be a little argument in some of the research I was going. Some say it's a sequel. Other people say it's just a totally different take. I think what it is is that Disney's original plan for Fantasia is the, was the release it every five years and take out segments and put in new segments. Gotcha. Gotcha. And okay. that 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 was what because it was cost it wasn't cost effective and because of World War II, of course, um you know, that changed everything. You know, right. they, they still right. were, they were still doing their silly symphony short shorts. Yes, we had a world war going on when this they, they released this, right? Because at least yeah. it was in Europe. We had not been bombed yet. Yeah. Pearl Harbor had, Pearl Harbor had not happened yet. Yeah. And so it was coming, you know, it was in the process of coming. And then said before, Disney had to put in the stereo sound in theaters because they didn't have that and all the other stuff that was going on at the time. So, so. did they actually physically put stereo sound in the theaters for yeah. this? Very yeah. cool. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. But then what if, what if obviously, they've done the first in the 60s? That was six, 1960, isn't it? The first one's 1940. 1940. Yeah. Okay, 1940. Then the second is in 2000. So if you go by calculation, then the third one should be in 2016. <laughs> I don't know if you think about it. Well, and then you, you might be here to see it. I don't think I will be, but you might see well, it. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like Disney did do other anthologies set to music. There was Make My mm -hmm. Music, which dealt with a lot of jazz music. There's the Three Caballeros that was South of South. <laughs> oh my gosh! The, yes, the Three Caballeros. I love that I one. It. Yeah, but that was all with that was all dealing with music as well, the Southern uh, South American music and stuff like that. Yes, yes, Miranda, I remember things like that. There's also <laughs> another one called Melody Time as well. They had you know Alice Fedora and all the other stuff, and they had the Andrew Sisters music and. Big band. I love the Andrews sisters too. You know, I've actually got tapes of their tapes, but I got them downloaded onto my spot. <laughs> it's have. just like I will actually work out and listen to the Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy of Company B sometimes. <laughs> well, I like it. I love swing bands too. 
and some, and some of their some of their lyrics are a bit risque as well when you start listening to them well yeah a little bit a little yeah, bit seafood mama <laughs> do, you, do you know that you actually have unlocked you have unlocked a memory when you when you say the name of the three caballeros do you remember that south american actress who was in in the three caballeros carmen miranda the three caballeros yes steve i was martin. in love with that when about- i was are you talking about Steve Martin that. and Martin Short and the Three Caballeros? Are we no, talking about that's three, that's three. That's the Three Amigos. Oh, the Three Amigos. Yeah, they kept calling themselves the, the Three, three Caballeros. Is with um. I, I can't remember. Brain dead today. It was Donald, it was Donald Duck and the parrot. I can't remember the name of the parrot, but Carmen yeah, Miranda's in it. Yeah. What, which one? Which one is it? Three Caballeros. It's anime Disney animation. I know, I know it. I'm One got a goose, 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 got a goose. Okay, okay, okay. I remember Miranda. Yes, my gosh, you've unlocked a memory when I was a child. I haven't. I need to watch this again because. But scary is it unlocks memories for us as children too. But we'll get there. We're gonna have a funky tunky. I love that. One got a goose. Remember because as a child, as a. When I was in Italy, I remember I, I, I literally unlocked the memory. I was in love with her, and I remember that obviously we have this brand. Probably you have this brand here in the UK. I'm not sure about anything. We have a brand of bananas called Chiquita. Yeah, and I'm gonna take a banana. Speaker, and I'm here to say I have a TV every day. People see the blue sticker. <laughs> but then I promise when I when I when when I saw the little sticker when I was younger, I thought, oh my god, that's her, you know. But I, I didn't we know. We always put them on our forehead. Yeah, we used to always put the blue sticker on and, her head. And, so and what, what was the last line? And never put a banana in the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? That's bullshit because I actually they do turn funky on the outside, but they keep on the inside. You can refrigerate your bananas, people. Yeah, it's just because they turn oh, no, you the they outside, get black so. faster. They black faster. Um, at least you know, okay. But yeah, so Disney was still kind of doing their music thing. It just wasn't under the banner of Fantasia sort of things. No. But um, they were doing like other types of music and stuff. And I mean, Silly Symphony, if you look at any classic Disney Silly Symphony stuff, fantastic. The the old mill, the old, the old mill and the yeah. wee- willow tree. And I mean, they were fantastic. I have some of those here and the ugly duckling that they did as well. I love the Tin Soldier part, you know, with the Hans Christian Andersen. I think that oh. was the piano concerto number two, Allegro Opus 102. And yes, I am reading from notes. But that I wanted to bring up because I really loved that part of this film. I know I they changed the story slightly. The from yeah, the Jack in the Box. They gave it. They gave it a happy ending, though, didn't they? Yeah, that's they what did. I thought because I I watched when it was. He a lost his leg, though. Was he missing a leg? Yeah, he was um, the the original Hans Christian Andersen is that the Tin Soldier was born was made and only had one leg, so he falls in love with the ballerina, and then he and then then he goes through all the adventures are fine, but at the end, what happens is the window is left open and the ballerina and the tinsman get swept into the fire, and the only thing left is this tin heart. Oh, that's right. I know. I remember. I remember. So they, yeah, they're they, all they, horrible, they, nasty, wretched, dark stories. They are not fucking happy at all. Whenever yeah, you have all this little mermaid and all these others, they are not happy stories. 
So, yeah, so <laughs> D- Disney, Disney gave Disney gave it. It's kind of like you know a little Disney fight ending sort of thing. So. Yeah. But think about think about it. They stay together, they happy ending, and then eventually get a divorce. So it's better that they die, and then it's very romantic. They were burned to death together. It's better to burn to death together than get grow old, get divorced. <laughs> That's true. I guess, well, you know what? I've been divorced and I'd rather throw myself on a heaping fire than ever have to do that. So, yes. See, romanticism, romanticism from the hair of romanticism was supposed to be like desperate, tragic. That behind yeah. it kind of ruined it, make it very silly, make it very childish, you know? It's Stories sort of like La Traviata or Madam Butterfly. At least that's the way I see it. Like romantic stuff need to have bad ending because kind of as a reminder that romanticism is beautiful, but if you literally fall trapped and become obsessed with it, then it will kill you, you know? So it's it usually kind of like it's a tragedy of some life. sort too. There's always know, so. tragedy with romance. There's I this. Know. I know. Very what do you well. think about the, the, the hunchback whales? I thought that they were done. I thought it was maybe because they're being, because their hunchback whales are. Right. Are becoming extinct. So, with them going into At the air, stuff were. like this, do you think it's them going to heaven because they're becoming extinct? That was a good question. I didn't really know what I I, I thought you, that it could have gone both ways. They could either be being freed or they could be going to heaven. They didn't really. Did they show them dying? Did they I, didn't the, show them dying, but they, they showed them going the being sucked up into the into the light at the end, right? I didn't think of yeah, that. Yeah, you could take that a couple of different I guess that's open to interpretation. And I kinda of wonder is that has to do because um, you know, they are they are becoming extinct for whatever reasons and and I was kinda of wondering because I was kinda of watching going the first time I watched it, oh, this is very beautiful. Strange that they're flying, but very beautiful. But then I noticed that the clouds become ice and then the ice becomes and then they kinda of like the everything transverses and then they at the end of it's just them being sucked up into the into the That's sky. A good and I thought, does this mean they're dying? I mean, I said that. I, I did say the Pharisees. Like, God forbid. Can you imagine if whales were able to fly? Can you imagine? You know, they did that. They did that with Pokemon, like in the games when you have like whales, Pokemon, they float. Yeah, but you don't. You, I don't think you'd want that, really. Could you imagine? I mean, it's bad enough when you get shit on by a bird. Can you imagine shot on by a flying? <laughs> <laughs> they're really big because you know. Whenever we were, uh, we went to the. To Cabo San Lucas about four years ago, we went whale watching in Big Sur, and then those whales—they are not small. They are not small. Yeah, they, and they, they actually—they—they they could totally destroy you in those boats if they want to. But they were pushing their babies up to the boat. You know, they wanted to show you. That's like I've stuck, talk about a humbling experience. It was very humbling. But the, they used to call them devil fish. They used to attack the boats 40 and 50 years ago, but they don't do that anymore because they stopped hunting them. Then you had National Geographic coming. You think National Geographic could... No, not Nat Geo. I always tell everybody this story. They had all these rich people on a National Geographic ship, and there was one mother and one calf still left in this inlet. And there was about six of these boats chasing this one whale down. And these guys probably, I was so pissed. Net Geo is full of shit. So don't trust Net Geo people. They are not always what they seem to be. I got pictures of that. I can prove it. Yeah. But yeah, if you're, they're sa- beautiful. If you're, sa- 
You can never chase a mother and her child down. Doesn't matter. Well, what they were chasing them out the inlet. They were supposed to go this way out to the Sea of Cortez, but she was scared and she was going the wrong way. Precisely. And the only it was terrible. It was because we if were. They, just if they left her. They left her alone without her panicking. She probably would have been fine. Yeah, because we we were with the the Spanish people, the, the Mexican guys. They knew what they were doing. They were in fishing boats. They would take you out there to see them, and they would come up to the boat. You didn't have to chase them down. But Nat Geo pulls up with this big cruiser and all these people on it. They all dive in boats and just don't. They're not doing it right. Now, yeah. the, the native people that live there, they knew what they were doing. They were really well, good people. Only only the rich can do something stupid like that. So that was stupid. I got pictures of it. I'll dig them out and send them to you. It's mad. I've always thought about that, too. I like the Carnival of the Animals um, segment with the flamingo playing yo-yo. Oh, yeah. The flamingos. What other goofy animals did we have in this one? It's only because I like them because it's like, you have the, you a got flock the, of flamingos. Yeah, the flock of flamingos. You got like a flamingo and you got like, they're because they're all such uniform looking and stuff like this. And then you got one who's like, he's just going to be his own person. And now the, everyone's like against it. But at the end of the day, he kind of wins as being himself. You know, the black sheep, be me. Yeah. I don't need to be, I don't need to fit in to be you. It doesn't matter if I fit in or not. I'm still going to be me. And I like, I quite like that little message. Uh, and I also like the Donald and Daisy um, pomp and circumstances thing. I thought it was really kind of clever and cute. You know, and the thing is, like, he doesn't know if she made it or not. And then, you know, they find each other in the end. And <laughs> and I, but I, well, I think what I also like about it, because you see some of the other animals from Disney, other Disney features. Right. Like, you see the lizards from the rescuers down under. Yeah. You see yeah. him, and you see, like, a couple others. So you can, like, Oh, I forgot them. about the rescuers down under. I haven't seen that one in a long time either. That's a good film, actually. They used to make such really cool stuff that was just for everybody, and there was no crap. We watched the Elementals um, this week. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. Excellent, really fun. I really like. Really, it, it bombed. It, it was it any good because it bombed terrible over here. So it's really good. I it really liked it. I really here. liked it a lot. And the thing is, is there's a making of it, and the um, the guy who made it, um, it's it's a Pixar film, but he also did right. like, like um, the little like the little um Chinese boy in Up is made. It's designed for this guy who directed Elemental. So it's and he and he used it as um, you know, when his family moved to America from China, uh, China or Korea, I can't remember which one. But he used a lot, and when he put the story together, there's a lot about his experiences and stuff like this, and you know, and and how you know, and he fell in love with um an American and how his parents were not too happy about it until like, and so he put all that in there and stuff like this, and it's, it's really well done. It's about fire and. You know, water and the fire falls in love with the water, and the water falls in love with the fire. But they're not able to be together because they're different. And it's good. I I highly recommend it. I I really enjoyed it. I I kind of smiled and laughed. I haven't seen it yet. I just I just kind of bypassed it because everybody was just shitting all over it review wise. I'm like, oh man, well, I'll just give, I'll give it a look wrong. see if you guys liked it. The only Disney film that I did not feel accustomed or feel akin to was Big Red. That was stupid. Yeah, watched. I, still um, watched it. I think that if maybe it was if, okay. It was okay. I think if I was a young girl having my period, I probably would have felt something more for it. But I felt like I just kind of felt left out of everything. I just don't know why they even made a movie about 
get your period. I, Situation. I think it's educational kind of like imagine. Well, Disney's so- not there to educate my grandson on girls. No, but what I mean is like, kind of like introducing the concept with, and then eventually you kind of like. Well, it was kind but, of funny. Some of it, but, I just yeah, but the, thought, I just think they need to stay on entertainment and no bodily functions. Well, I think I think you're getting, dark, you're getting gray areas with that. Disney just needs to chill on that stuff. I think, I, to be honest, I think that I think they could have done the same thing without it being pushed in your because it just felt like it was that's like, exactly all, oh, all okay. the time. The whole movie's like boof, boof, boof. Yeah. By the end of it, I had a black eye from it all because it's kind of like I was yeah. punched in the face with it. So I think they're chilling. There's, on there's that nothing stuff. wrong with covering. There's nothing wrong with covering that. I have nothing. I'm not oh, probably covering that. But not oh, the. But it was oh, like too much over and over and over and over and over. It's like okay, I I got it. It takes I, the fun I, out of it. You know, you know, yeah. but uh, but uh, you know, all the Disney films I'm still watching. I'm I can't find. I still them. love my all my old stuff. I still like all their old yeller stuff. I I love all their old content. I really but, love it. But I, I like a lot of their new stuff. I, yeah, I can't I can't fault any of their new animations. The only one I the only one I didn't feel accustomed to was the Big Red, but. God, I, I mean, they're a hundred years old today. I mean, they're yeah, they're a hundred years old now. Just well, if, see, if, if, there's yeah, only well. Like, if there's only like one or one or two that I don't feel close to, that's a that's pretty good. After all the films that they got, I mean, how do you not like all the stuff we grew up with? I mean, it's all wonderful stuff. Yeah. I mean, it just is. I mean, I liked. I mean, I liked Elementals. I liked Inside Out. I haven't um, seen that one yet either. That's really I good. That I had to recommend that one as well. Wait, Inside Out, which is the way up? I that's think one up about the child's, the child's emotions. Yeah. No, I have not seen that one. No. Excellent. I, love I like the one with the balloons the house. Excellent. Like the one up with the balloons in the house. Mm-hmm. That one but, was good. But Soul with Jamie Jamie Foxx. So I did not cry. see that one yet either. So excellent. many cry. They've got so much stuff out. I can't. I haven't had a chance to watch it. There's mm-hmm. always something that they got out. I mean, out of all of my um, all the stuff that I pay for as far as platforms, I got rid of a lot of my streaming services. And the only one I've kept was Disney and Netflix. Do they keep Hulu? That's that's Disney here. That's Disney Plus. Yeah. Oh, okay. But it isn't over here. You have to have the bundle over here. Yeah. Here they do both, so that's so it's fine at the moment because they don't have Hulu here yet. So, but they're the only two. Disney's work going to work out fine because we're doing a lot of Disney films this year anyway. So, yeah. so it's, that's good. But um, but yeah, I think, but I think the jewel in the crown for Fantasia two thousand is the last segment. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I agree. I definitely agree. It's definitely my favorite parts in this. Um, I like how she went back and painted the volcano green after that horrendous happening when she goes into the volcano and can't figure out why it's not turning green so yeah but what i also like if you ever look at um after a, vol- a volcanic eruption mm. what happens everything the goes world green. Rebirths, you know what wasn't green before is now green now and i like that they kind of tied that in as well yeah well gosh and nothing nothing grows like gangbusters after a volcanic eruption i mean it just grows I've seen, you know, you just watch it, but a year later, you know, even it's just. But I also like when she turns to ash, and then you see p- bits of her face self going to ash, and it's all. Well, he gulps her, doesn't he? He just eats her, basically. The whatever, 
was that I, a demon or was that just fire? What was that represent, an elemental representation? Mm, I guess it really all was elemental representations. So I think okay, when I saw this segment for the first time at the IMAX and this and the, the orchestra's playing and the trees and everything at the end, you're just going. I mean, this is before CGI became CGI, what we have today. And we're like, I remember just going, wow. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, that whole segment. And you get pictures like there and it's in 3D in front of you. It's like, Shh. so it was all inspiring. And it, I, it's still, I still find it all inspiring. If Whenever I want to show off a, any kind of animation, I would show off this animation because I think it's, and I like the story. It tells a complete story, and the and the elk's beautiful, and the nature side of it, and and so much, so much emotions pass through without a word being said. So. I thought it was beautiful. I just just the way they had her. She just she was like a female entity, but she just she was spring. You know, she just came and carpeted the earth with greenery and flowers and. <clears throat> It, it was really, it was really beautiful. I was really stunned by how they did the ending. I've never seen this Fantasia ever, so it was the first time for me. I truly enjoyed it. Still, kind of like the older one a little bit more, but I guess maybe, maybe it was the incorporation of putting modernity in there, like actors, kind of. I think the Sorcerer's Apprentice probably shouldn't be in there. Yeah, I think it was just a repetition. Because well, they it's... had to incorporate it because it was an appendage of the other one. Yeah, but you know, the thing is, is like I kind of would like maybe a sequel to Sorcerer's Apprentice with some different music. Possibly. Or to move forward or maybe put it or maybe do something. It's just that, I mean, it's kind of like because I bought, I got, Fan, I, got Fantasia, Mouse, right? I got the original, I got Fantasia in 2000 on Blu-ray anyway. And maybe, maybe if I hadn't, um, I I think it's because you're watching it, and then when you when Fantasia, um, the Sorcerer's Apprentice comes on, you go, oh, I've seen this. Yeah, but don't right. you think that I'm not saying there's nothing really, wrong with it, but it's almost like, oh, I've seen this. Made, yeah, but basically, this the first one was made to re this resurgence of Mickey Mouse. I mean, you think maybe they're just trying to keep Mickey Mouse, give him a little nod, wink, you know? Well, I think they could have. I think they could have done that beforehand because you got to remember that the reason why they made they decided to finally go through with Fantasia 2000 is because they released Fantasia on video and it became a huge seller. Well, they had a hard time getting this production out because everybody was giving Walt Disney's nephew a hell of a time trying to get this produced and, and out there. Yeah, they didn't really like the concept. And because Fantasia, the videotape, made so much money, they figured, okay, well, it's going to make money because people who bought Fantasia because it made so much Why money this, on the videotape, you can see that. So then you're thinking, well, if that's the reason, so why include something that's on the Fantasia tape into this, <laughs> I suppose? Uh, saying but that, I, 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 I have no problem end. with it. It's just kind of like, oh, I kind of looking. I would rather had a new segment of something new. Right? Yeah, you're probably right. They could probably come up with something a little more fresh. When did when did we start losing the video store and stuff and this stuff? Was it around this time? I mean, blockbuster uh, shops, or was it yeah, like mid nineties? About two thousand ten, was it? We stopped going to video stores and yeah, getting VHS. Just, when did when did Netflix start? About two thousand eight, two thousand nine. 
Yeah, roughly. No, roughly. it's Netflix that kind of ruined everything. That started the whole streaming thing, didn't okay. it? Okay, yeah, because Netflix actually was, a, you went and got your Netflix video. Remember the, the CDs? Yeah, then you'd mail them the back, the red box, and then you'd mail them back, yeah. And then they started the streaming service that you could start streaming at that, that same time. They were running both of them at the same time. and then the Yeah, and then the rest is history. Yeah, that I, I was just, that just popped into my head. I was just trying to figure out what their sales were going to be geared for when they, this came out. Was it the video rental buy or was it the cinema experience they were trying to push? I was. I, to... I bought it. I had it on DVD, so I know it was released on DVD because DVDs are coming out around that time. So, and then I, then I got the Blu-ray. I finally got the Blu-ray. I got. I think I got both the, this and the Blu-ray for for ten quid for both of them together. So you can't really. Can't oh, okay. Out. That was a good deal. Well, that's right, Fantasia 2000. So, Vicky, how many stars do you give Fantasia 2000? <sighs> I'm still going to give it a four, just because I kind of was hoping that the conductors would do more of the conversating other than the actors, but I really did like Angela Lansbury. <laughs> there was one other actor that I was happy to showed up, and I'm having a, a, a moment, and I can't Bette remember. Midler? Who? Bette Midler? No. <laughs> um... um... Quincy Jones? No, nope, keep going. One Steve more. Steve Martin? Yes, I like seeing Steve Martin. I like seeing Steve Martin. Um, I, I, I do think that the end was absolutely breathtaking. That was very visually stunning, and it was well done. And I was glad that they ended it that way, because I didn't think they could top the other one. So those two are running neck and neck, and they're just, what, like 60, 70, 80 years apart, I want to say? Okay. But it was beautiful. Yeah, you, it's another one. I, I would, seriously, if you get your kids to sit through classical music, it really is worth it. It's just mine. It just it just really makes your brain feel good. It's just brain food. It really is. Maybe a soft day of a day, dab day. What do you? I too gonna give it like a four, actually four point five because that's what I did. For, I just was irritated with that one. Little yeah, I mean, I don't know. Let's just say between 4 and 4.5. So obviously there's an educational part of the music, which is incredible, and obviously the whole fantasy. The only thing, uh, obviously I watched this one for the first time, and my the last part was my favourite part as well. Like, you know, the whole representation of nature and rebirth. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, the rest of the animations, except for the Sorcerer Apprentice, because there was kind of like a retake. I mean, it was exactly the same on the old one. The rest of the animation... Um, I liked it, but not as much as I liked in the, in the old one. And most of the animation, especially, um, I don't know, the one, for example, the Carnival of the Animals or, I don't know, even the Noah, Noah's Ark, it's kind of like they're using fantasies, using the one. fantasy of, like, Disney-branded characters, which is okay, but I would have preferred, like, new ideas like in the old one for example i loved you know the, the demon of the bald mountain and and on the mythology one and it's a whole new created characters which is incredible but we and left out the cherubs and all that other stuff too, yeah you but know? then the other and, one, and they, totally forgot about them but in certain of these animations, it's kind of like, okay, I mean, you do the Noah's Ark, but then the characters are taken from other animations so it's kind of like, okay, but not what i was thinking i don't know maybe maybe that was the thing uh, the kind of like I don't want to say put me down because this is a strong 
I don't have strong feeling against it. It's just I would have preferred to see newly created characters. Um, and then but also yeah. another thing, when you say it about the fact about uh, introducing these VIP characters or whatever, doesn't it make you feel like, have you ever watched a Disney TV show called House of Mouse? Yeah. When all the characters meet and they kind of like introduce each other and they have this variety show between all the Disney characters. So I'm thinking well, this of that. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking, why this was sort of the, the kind of the origin, original concept of that when they kind of introducing all the famous people that took part of Disney and it kind of like, look, this is Disney branded person, this is us, this is a special group of people. I don't know, I'm thinking of that, so, which is not necessarily bad, but it's just something. But yeah, besides this, in general, I would give it like a four or a four point five. I don't know, maybe four point five because it's still beautiful anyway. It's just yeah. I prefer the old one first. I would move the last sequence of this movie to the old one, and then yeah, <laughs> and then add it to the old one. But yeah, I, I liked it. I liked it anyway. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a four point five as well. So um, the celebrity thing kind of took me out of it a little bit, and I think it lacks some of the flow that that the previous one has situation so it's it's missing some kind of warmth i mean not that it wasn't beautiful but there, there's oh, something yeah. from the 40s you just can't recapture yeah well this brings us to the end of literature license podcast our next week anthologies will be covering Trick or Treat from 2007 and Tales of Halloween from 2015. And, of course, next week we'll be doing Make Remake with Beauty and the Beast from 1991 and the remake from 2017. And, of course, Book to Screen will be doing Coraline, the f- book by Neil Gaiman, and the 2009 film. We will also be continuing our Batman animated series with Paying the Crime Doctor, Vantana, The Mechanic, and Harvey and Ivy go on a holiday. And our two-for-one will be Kuntalanek and The Hole, one from 2018 and the, the last one from 2009. And, of course, Doctor Who will be back in this full with The Space Museum and The Chase, which aired from the 24th of April, 1965, to the 26th of June from 1965. So it's good night for myself and good night, Vix. Night, everybody. Good night, Davide. Good night, everyone. And we'll see you next week for Beauty and the Beast. When you rush around in hopeless circles, searching everywhere for something true, you're at the age of not believing when all the make-believe is through. When you set aside your childhood heroes and your dreams are lost upon a shelf, you're at the age of not believing and worst of all, you doubt yourself. You're a castaway where no one hears you on a barren isle in a lonely sea. Where did all the happy endings go? Where can all the good times be? You must face the age of not believing, doubting everything you ever knew, until at last you start believing. <laughs>
something wonderful in you. Face the age of not believing, doubting everything you ever knew, until at last you start believing there's something wonderful in you. 